going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reddit Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Wellen. Matt, how you doing this Saturday evening? Week seven is upon us. We are going to see what the 49ers can do coming out of a bye week. Um, I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, me too, man. Um, interesting week. Um, while you guys are here, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching on Twitter, hop over to YouTube so we can see your comments and interact with them. Um, we can't see anything, unfortunately, through through Twitter, I mean. So hop over to YouTube. Um, man, this bye week was like the bye week that never ended. It seemed like fans were kind of losing their minds. A lot of speculation, um, a lot of kind of reading too deeply into things. I'm glad it's over, but with that said, the Niners now have a Sunday night primetime uh, matchup with the Colts. Yeah. How are you feeling about this matchup going in? Yeah, it was interesting to see on the bye week, um, you know, idle hands and all that stuff. Um, I think everybody had too much time to overanalyze. I know we got Florio coming out saying some pretty ridiculous stuff today. Trey Lance, he of one start is all of a sudden a bust because he can't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo, blah, 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 blah. Um, that, that was a lot of what was going on. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's good to have game action because then you have something tangible you can look at rather than all of this speculation and hype and you know, hate and love and whatever the case may be. I, I feel like 49er fans specifically are generally all over the map, um, especially when there there is a discussion to be had, a debate to be had. And it's just nice to be able to watch the team play football. You know, we, we look at it in the sense of uh, they're, they're breaking out the 94 Reds again. Everybody seems to like those a lot. Um, you know, it's a primetime game, so all eyes are going to be on the team and they're going to see what they can do. But um, – you know, it's going to be interesting. And Debbie Ryan, you know, says good good day, fellas. Tomorrow's game should be very interesting in the rain. That's something that the 49ers haven't had to deal with uh, in a while is adverse weather. And, you know, you would think that the Colts injury list is a litany of players that are just going to miss the game from Justin Blackman to T.Y. Hilton to, you know, others. You would think that the 49ers just on paper have, you know, more talent. But these type of games – as we've seen time and time again, adverse weather narrows the talent gap because you have to be able to play very, very precise football, um, very clean football in messy conditions. So we're going to see if they're going to be able to do it. If they can't do it coming out of a bye, I don't know, man. We, we really have to have a discussion about what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, um, that's definitely something I'm, I'm hoping doesn't happen, but – the 49ers, they're getting some help. They will get K1 back. They'll get Jamichael Hasty back. Huge additions on both sides of the ball. I'm looking forward to seeing. And we talked about this earlier, and I said, you know, hopefully this means Kyle can kind of run the ball more now that he'll have a running back he actually trusts because he clearly doesn't trust Trey Sermon. And I don't know what the deal is with Elijah Mitchell. He's looked good, but yeah. at least Hasty, there's that experience there. I don't know if it's trust with Trey Sermon. I just don't know if, if he likes Trey Sermon in, that, in the sense that – I'm still suspicious that something happened before that week one game where Sermon was inactive. I think that there was like a, a disciplinary issue that's kind of soured Kyle on because we know he holds grudges. Unfortunately, that's who Kyle is. So we'll see because to me, it makes the most sense in wet conditions where footing is going to be an issue to have your north south back get the get the most carries. Um, Elijah Mitchell's more shifty. So is Jermichael Hasty. Sermon's the guy that's going to hit the hole and go. And that makes more sense to me in the rain to be able to put your foot in the ground and just and just pick up yards. Um, so we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Steve added, D-line is hurting. Nelson's coming back. Horrible weather. Jonathan Taylor's going to eat. And no Kinlaw. Yeah, so that's going to be a big, big challenge. That Kinlaw situation's weird, isn't it? It's very weird. It's very weird. He's coming out on social media. I know he still insists that he's not injured, but then the, you know Kyle comes out and says, hey, we might have to put him on IR. And I'm just like, what is happening? I I can't tell you, but there's something there. And th- these types of issues crop up, unfortunately, and this is not me playing conspiracy. Like you can look back on the on the end of the Harbaugh era, on the end of really any era. Once you start getting these disconnects between the players, the coaches, and the front office, th- the thing is about run its course. And that's unfortunate to say because I feel like there's still so much potential here. But I mean, what else can it be other than that? Um, there's just there, there's cracks in the foundation, and the 49ers really have to address those. And getting a solid victory, a, a quality victory against Indianapolis in primetime can go a long way towards that. But they got to get it done because if not, I mean, the wheels could fall off this thing real quick. Exactly. Um, there's something about this weird culture. We've talked about it this season. There's this weird feeling around the team. Um, but like you said, Matt, a win this week could really start to correct things. Um, two, I mean, they're two and three, the culture two and four. Coming off the bye week, I, I was just watching Kyle Shanahan's interview with Greg Papa, and he was basically saying, look, we're not doing enough things well. I think he, his, his phrase that he likes to use is do good longer or something like that. Uh, do better longer, maybe. Um, and he, I think it's do right longer. That, yeah, that, I think that's it. Yeah. And yeah. Which, like, about, kind of, I mean, that's kind of weird, right? That's kind of a weird one coming off of all gas, no brakes, and then you're like, do right longer. I, I don't know. <laughs> he's not he's not a, a phrase guy it's not my favorite to solid took all of the cool catchphrases with him to new york kyle shanahan is not a phrase guy uh, but i just think that he talked about the team not being able to convert on third downs then he talked about how not having a kicker forced them to go for it more than they wanted to on fourth downs which eh, i mean it depends if you like that real quick did you happen to catch greg papa on uh middle cough the ham pod no, but I did see some of like the screenshots of like Middlecoff reacting to stuff that Papa was saying. It was, and so I can only imagine what kind of dumb stuff he said. It was very, this very, really not tough. great. He's not great. It was tough to watch. Just, just like the logic of Kyle saying we didn't have a kicker when Joey Sly is a real NFL kicker. Yep. Like, it, it, you know, it, you you went for it on fourth down from like the two yard line, bro. Like, come on. I yeah. Um, Greg Papa, some of the stuff he was saying, it looked like he was out there shilling for Kyle Shanahan. Um, and, and there was one point where Middlecoff was like, the fans watching are going to know this is complete BS. And I think he kind of realized, like, I don't want to come off like I'm attacking him. So he kind of, like, turned it turned it into a joke. It was just crazy, man. Greg Papa is, like, doing Kyle <laughs> Shanahan's work, apparently. Um, but, Matt, back to the Colts game. Jimmy Garoppolo is back. Yep. And I asked for hot takes. I yep. think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago. And yep. your hot take was: This is the last game Jimmy Garoppolo starts. Yep. If they lose, right? Was it was that caveat there? If they lose? No, I just said it's the last start for Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers, which, by the way, was stolen by our own Anthony Perry. But that's okay. Um, yeah, I just like when I'm looking at the weather report. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo already has a suspect, very average arm, and now you're gonna put the weight of water into the ball. We saw how that went against Washington, against Baltimore in 2019. It doesn't look good. And so 
you know, it's very possible with muddy conditions, with terrible conditions, with the fact that Jonathan Taylor is an excellent NFL running back and the 49ers have been soft against the run. There's every possibility that the 49ers lose this game. And if they do, you start looking at it like, okay, well, how long do we let this rock with the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment? Thinking that the roster is a Super Bowl roster, sitting at two and four, looking at the rest of the division, right? Where you have a tough game against uh, Chicago, which, you know, Chicago's offense isn't great, but their defense is still pretty good, you know? Like that's, that's kind of a, it's becoming more of a coin toss than we thought at the beginning of the season. Um, and then after that, you're getting Arizona and, and Los Angeles, you know, the Rams. And it's just like, this team could end up being two and six real quick. And at that point, what what are you playing for? Do you have a Super Bowl roster? I don't, you know, I don't think that you can say that at that point. So they gotta they gotta figure it out quick because if if they come out and really don't impress tomorrow, um, specifically Jimmy Garoppolo, I could see them going in a different direction, particularly if they lose. But I don't want to put the caveat on it because I think that's too easy a cop out. Um, I just I just don't see in. You know, if the rain is actually going, I just don't see Jimmy Garoppolo being able to throw the ball effectively, and that could cost the 49ers if, if they have to, you know, get into a point-for-point point battle. Because I just don't see, you know, as opposed to years past, this 49ers running game has not been good. You know, why is the defense going to do anything but stack the box against Jimmy Garoppolo? They're going to be like, prove it to us. Specifically in the rain, prove it to us. And I just don't know that they can get it done. Yeah. Um, I agree. Hung Fat says if the Niners win, it's because they ran for 250. <laughs> yep. That's a yeah, hell of a lot, of lot of running yards. And it's it's you know, it's really good that that Hasty is back. If you could run all three of those guys, I mean, just give them all carries. They should each get 15 carries apiece. Yep. You know, I run agree, the ball yeah. 45, 50 times. I mean, who cares? Give I mean, give use check five carries. Who cares? Because yep. yep. in wet condition, you don't want Jimmy throwing that ball. So I was looking at the Colts. Um, they beat the Texans last week. I think it was like 31 to three, some some crazy beatdown. Um, but I saw Kyle Posey pointed out that the Colts, their defense was giving up kind of these extended drives. And the Texans actually drove the ball uh, to the Colts 41, 35, 13, 22, 37, and 23 yard line. So they were actually moving the ball, which kind of reminds me of like the – 49ers last couple of weeks where they would get the ball deep into opponent's territory and come away with no points. Um, yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. We see tomorrow night, we see them actually end these drives with points, but it looks like they're at least being able to be, you know, move the ball on it. And, and I think that was with Davis Mills under, under center that the Texans had. So I'd like to think Jimmy Garoppolo's a good Monica better than Davis Mills, but We'll see. I mean, he says he's fully healthy. He's no longer on the injury report. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really need to see it from him because if things go bad, there's going to be a lot of people starting to question why he's still starting for the 49ers when we saw that's, I mean, it's already the case, right? It definitely is, yeah. Yeah, it those whispers is. are getting louder. Like, why is Kyle letting it rock with Jimmy for so long? Yeah. You know? I I I think it might be because Jimmy – and this is just my two cents. I think Kyle mm-hmm. thinks that Jimmy Garoppolo is the only quarterback he's had success with. Um, and, and you could say success. Maybe I should say win games because it's not even really success. They just win games. The whole quarterback wins, whatever. I know it's BS stat, but still, Kyle Shanahan's thinking, I haven't been able to win with CJ. I haven't been able to win with Nick. And I haven't been able to win with any other quarterbacks, really. Maybe – 
I need wins. I need right now. I need to prove to Jed York. I need to prove to the fan base that I still can do it. And I don't know. I, I just think maybe that's that's it. Maybe he just really does feel like Trey Lance isn't ready yet. Yeah, and you know, I didn't see uh, Melissa says, guys, did you see Big Mike emergency vid? If not, I'm still curious if you buy this public feuding between QBs and a separate feud between Lynch and Shanny. You know what? I'm I'm starting to detect more of a rift, and I don't know if it's particularly with Lynch or if it's just with like Jed York and Lynch, because I do think that Lynch is going to be kind of like that extension of Jed York and the ownership group. Um, Lynch kind of strikes me as kind of a yes man, and they did that whole interview with him, and we talked about it um, with our impromptu show earlier in the week where Lynch did that interview with Mayoko, and you could just tell. I mean, the 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 body language and the rubbing the ear and all that stuff something's not right and you got players speaking out and you have people who you know are kind of back and forth on the quarterbacks right like they'll they'll praise one they'll praise the other or like maybe this guy's not ready or whatever you have former teammates of jimmy garoppolo um, particularly kendrick Bourne, who's saying that mac jones throws a much more catchable ball than jimmy garoppolo does um just things like that and the cracks are starting to show with this regime. And I think it's because the NFL as always has been a results based business and the results aren't there for the 49ers. If they don't make the playoffs, this will be what year four out of five that the Shanahan regime didn't make the playoffs. And I think that that's patently unacceptable to the fan base, to the ownership group, to the front office. I mean, everybody. And so you have to wonder is Kyle seat getting a little bit hotter because of all these controversies, all this indecision um, you, you traded up so much to get Trey Lance um, a guy that maybe, you know, isn't necessarily ready to start right away. And then you just wonder, well, why'd you trade up that far um, for a guy who wasn't ready? Maybe Kyle was, maybe Kyle was all the way in on Mac Jones right off the bat. You know, we don't know these things. I think will sort themselves out over the next few years. I think what's, you know, when the team kind of resets or like Shanahan's gone or whatever, they're going to come out and say what's really going on. But until that point, it's just conjecture. But at this moment in time, you can definitely feel the tension with this team. And it hasn't been a fun team to watch, to be honest. No, it really hasn't. And honestly, I feel like, Oh, my light went out. Um, there's, there might be something there, um, but it's possible also that. And just, I don't know. He doesn't feel like Trey's ready. But then we talk about trading up to, to draft guys that aren't ready. They drafted Ambry Thomas, and then they came out, and we talked about this on our last show, saying, well, we basically knew he wasn't going to be ready for a year or two. If you feel like this team is in win-now mode, why are you drafting guys that you need in positions right now to contribute years down the line? Um, yeah. I don't know. Particularly it, with their with – their, you know, I mean, their second and third round pick, uh, you know, Aaron Banks and Ambry Thomas can't see the field. Trey Sermon's in the doghouse, which was their trade up from the fourth round back into the third. So you're talking about your first four players that you picked can't really see the field. It's like, what are you doing? Your first four rounds should be impact starters, like right off the bat. And you can't tell me that you're playing for now if those are the people that you're drafting and you pass people, you know, like, Asante Samuel Jr. or Creed Humphrey or like these people that are making immediate impacts in the league and saying, oh, no, we're definitely a Super Bowl roster. I just don't buy it. And if you're drafting for the future, then why is Jimmy Garoppolo's 27 million still on the books? If you, you can't have it both ways, you can't be a Super Bowl roster and be drafting for the future while running out 
people who are oft injured. And I said it, this team should not give a big money deal to Jason Verrett. And fortunately, fortunately they didn't, but they still didn't hedge their bets. And now Jason Verrett's gone for the season. Um, Emmanuel Mosley's back. K1 Williams is going to be back. Um, K1's been injured the last couple of years as well. Uh, lingering issues, not, nothing major, but these injuries have caused him to miss two, three games here and there. And so the secondary is beat up. Um, you didn't do a lot to address some of the weaknesses in the rest of the defense. I mean, linebacker is still painfully thin. Um, it's just, you know, Greenlaw is still out. Um, Aziz Alshair has played really well. Um, but I think that some of the, you know, issues that Fred Warner has had is because he's surrounded by lesser talent and maybe he feels like he has to make up the difference. And I feel like Fred is doing too much rather than just his job, because that's the type of leader that I feel like Fred Warner is it. There's a, there's a trickle down effect when you have a little bit of a deficit here, a little bit of a deficit there before you know it, you have holes to fill all over the place and you're drafting for the future. You're not drafting for now. Where are the people that you're supposed to have impact on right away? Um, you're taking projects like Aaron Banks, who's a mauler, but doesn't necessarily fit your style for an interior lineman. And, you know, uh, you're filling holes with people who don't necessarily belong. Alex Mack, well past his prime, better than like Brendel would probably be or better than, you know, uh, Kilgore was last year. But it's just it's one of those things where it's not good enough. And you can't sit there and pretend to be a Super Bowl roster with this many deficits all around the entirety of the field. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to t- touch on this conference, Steve. Does this kind of feel like the final Harbaugh year? I, I, I think I think it does, but I think also it there's is early. so much kind of, I don't know, confusion and animosity between the fans because we feel like there were legitimate excuses for the previous seasons where things went wrong for the 49ers. He didn't have a quarterback. Um, he Jimmy got injured. Uh, COVID, you know, things happened. We lost Nick Bosa. We lost, you know, some, we lost two ACL back-to-back plays. It's like things happened. And this season, it felt like everything had finally come together. Kyle Shanahan finally made the move to get his quarterback. And yet here the 49ers are sitting at two and three with an offense that can't put up points on the board with a defense that is actually playing well, but they're not getting any help from the offense to stay in games. And creating no turnovers. And creating no turnovers is exactly that's that's on them. Um, but I think that's why fans are kind of so up in arms, is that it's like you you're out of excuses, guys. The BS meter is up to hundred percent. Okay, you really need to get it done now. We don't really have you know any more tolerance to let you guys wait another two or three years. You're in year five of yep. a rebuild. What other coaches and front uh, general managers have five years and are still saying, Well, give us another couple. Right. Well, and the saving grace for Shanahan is going to be Trey Lance, which is ironic because he doesn't want to play him right now. But as soon as they're out of contention, he's going to put Jimmy on the bench and he's going to start Trey Lance. And that rookie quarterback is going to buy him an extra year on the job. So no matter what, I think Kyle Shanahan is safe. I'd be very interested to see if things go south, if John Lynch becomes the fall guy, if, if it's like, well, John drafted that guy. Well, John drafted this guy. Well, John drafted that guy. They'll promote Adam Peters to general manager. They'll take what I suspect is the actual draft power away from Kyle and give it to Adam and then see where they go from there. That's going to be the telling thing to me. It's really going to depend on how the rest of the season plays out. But I can you can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit 
And if this thing goes south, you can kind of see where it's going. And I think that John Lynch is going to be the first axe that drops, you know. I mean, his his role was always symbolic, uh, maybe not symbolic, placeholder. That's what it feels like, right? Title he's, more like, he's the PR front for, the, for Jed York. Yeah, he's the face. And he will take the fall. I do think if somebody's going to get the axe, it would be John Lynch. But then I question which GM wants to take this job. Uh, Kyle has ultimate control. Kyle has the final and See, that, that's what I'm saying. I think that Jed's like, Kyle, if you want to keep your job, we're going to promote Adam Peters to general manager because he's the assistant GM right now, and we're going to take the draft away from you. And that's the only way you can stay. And we're going to see what happens, but I think that Kyle will be like, fine. Yeah. Because I think that if you're in a battle of wills, right, that Kyle is going to be like, well, John was just a player. Like, I'm a coach. So what is John going to tell me about players that I don't know? And I think that's kind of because John was such a he came from the broadcast booth. Like, what does he really know about about talent acquisition? That's where I could see where Kyle flexes his muscles a little bit. But Adam Peters, who's been a well-respected personnel guy in the NFL for years and years and years in scouting departments and this and that all over, the, you know, from from Denver to wherever else, you know, he's been. They're going to have to promote him at some point or he's going to leave. Um, and, and so I think that. With this result, Jed's going to go to Kyle and be like, well, I mean, it's cool that you want to run the draft still, but um, you have three wins and four wins and this many wins or whatever. And it's just like, you can't do that. If you want to coach the team, then just coach the team. But we need better players drafted, particularly because the 49ers don't have first round picks for the next two years. So that that plays a huge part in in what's going to happen going forward. And of course, this is all conjecture. This is not necessarily to say this is absolutely what's going to happen, but it's something that I can kind of see if the season goes south from here. So East Bay, Chris tweeted this out first draft, first two draft picks in each season during the Lynch Shanahan era, 2017 Solomon Thomas, Ruben Foster, 2018, Mike McGlinchey, Dante Pettis, 2019, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, 2020, Javon Kenlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and 2021 Trey Lance, Aaron Banks. It's it's rough. I think honestly, I'm not as down on on Kinlaw as a lot of people are. I feel like, um, I mean, 2019 looks like a home run, right? Yeah, yeah. 2019 looks good. Um, Kinlaw, I feel like, I feel like there's some disconnect there, and I feel like you can get him back, but it's just going to depend. Um, I don't know. It, it, it really just depends. Ayuk, the, the thing, you know, the 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 jury's out on right now. I think it's a quarterback situation with him, though, you know? Yeah, something weird's going on there. Um, Stuart, our guy Stuart says, which uh, GM will pair with Kyle now that he has drafted a quarterback, traded away his two first-round picks? I feel like Jed will be afraid to add a GM to the mix. That falls out with Kyle. I think that's why Matt's saying it would have to be Adam Peters because he's already familiar with the situation. Probably feels like he could step in day one and, and take the reins over. But I do agree with you. If they were to look outside of the organization, it would be tough to find a candidate who's willing to come into this situation with no first yeah. round picks. Yeah, it's, it's why I feel like Adam Peters is the man for the job. I genuinely still feel like the reason why the 49ers are so good on their late round picks is because that's when Kyle and John stop paying attention to the draft and Adam Peters can actually do his work. You know, that that's just how I feel. And and you can talk to me until I'm blue in the face, but you know, or you're blue in the face, I should say. But I absolutely feel like Adam Peters gets home runs because he's the guy that actually does his homework. And when they're 
finally like, well, I didn't have enough time to get past round four. He's like, fine. He claps his hands together and he's like, finally. And that's why they're getting these late round gems. Yep. So Matt, you talked I mean, about Elijah Mitchell in the sixth and he already yeah. looks like he's going to be an explosive player for us. He looks great. He looks better than uh, Trey Sermon has, at least in long term. Um, you talked about. I, think, I just want to say though, I still think Sermon is a baller. Absolutely. I, I mean, I saw what you know what he did in college, and like he looked absolutely fantastic. I just there's again there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I really wish we had a bird's eye view on because, like, if if someone in the know was able to like come out and maybe write a book about what happened from like an objective perspective, man, I would buy that book in a heartbeat. Oh, you I mean, don't I have feel to like wait. there's so much drama behind the scenes right now that we don't even know about. Look, all you have to do is wait until next season and Kyle Shanahan will hop on McVay's podcast and talk about all the drama that went down, just like he talked about wanting to get Matt Stafford and yep. all these shit, wanting to get Aaron Rodgers. Dude, the guy you're talking about replacing is back at the facility. You got to go see him right now. Like it's It's a little right. insane how open he was with this so soon. Um, but you talked about Brandon Ayuk, and we're hoping he gets back into mix. And uh, Matt Mayoko wrote an article kind of quoting Debo Samuel, and he was talking about uh, – Debo Samuel talked about Ayuk having a great week of practice, and he hopes that that really translates onto the field this season. Um, he said, quote, I just feel like he just has to do exactly what he did all week in this – all week, all this week in practice, just getting back to himself, getting his confidence back, and just going out there and making plays. He had a great week of practice. We're very proud of how he came out there this week and showcase who he really is and who we know him to be. Does yeah. that strike you as maybe this is a mental thing with Ayuk that's not getting there? I mean, the fact that he's like talking him up, we're proud of him. He had a good game. He already knows he can do it. He needs to do it on the field. To me, that says Ayuk's kind of battling something himself, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. Um I think it's trying to a teammate trying to pump up another teammate. The one thing that I know is that it's been talked about that Ayuk isn't separating quite as well as he did in his rookie season. Um, and I'd be interested to see. I don't think anybody's actually talked about this because one of the weaknesses that I definitely knew that Ayuk had was getting off of press coverage. And I would like to see if there was between his rookie year and now, if there's been an increase in press coverage, uh, because I know that Ayuk it had struggles to get off the press. And it'd be really interesting to see if that that lack of separation is because they're pressing him more at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think a lot of people have a sophomore slump. You know, Debo had a great rookie year. Um, his sophomore year was pretty, pretty injury filled, uh, if we can be honest. I mean, 2019 as a rookie, I mean, he was great. We were look, talking about him like, man, he was such a weapon in the Super Bowl. Why did Kyle go away from him? This and this and that. 2020 for Debo was just like, man, he's just, he's been injured all year. Like, what can we really do with him? It's not, you know, he came back and we talked, I talked about how, you know, he, he had some muscle imbalances and, you know, he came back looking chunky and he got injured right away when he came back, you know, and he worked really hard. And, and now, I mean, he's one of the league leaders in, rece in receiving yards. And there's a reason for that. You know, I think when you come in as a rookie, nobody has to book on you. So you're able to flex your physical talent and you're able to make an impact like Ayuk did, teams start doing their due diligence and take away the stuff that you do well. Part of that, too, is young kids, when they're doing well, kind of feel themselves. And it's like maybe they don't work at absolutely as hard as they absolutely should. Um, but that's natural to, to young people. You know, when success comes, you're just like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's working. 
until it doesn't. And now is the time where we need to see how does he adjust going forward the second half of his second year, going into his third year. This is a critical juncture for him and his development and his mentality is going to be 100% behind what happens going forward. Um, I applaud Debo for you know, taking adversity and running with it and, and, you know, working really hard this off season and coming back and being an absolute force for the offense. It just shows the type of work ethic that he has. And you hope that Brandon Ayuk has the same type of work ethic and that he can kind of figure out what these issues are and what's going on with him, because I'd love to see him develop into the player that we definitely suspected that he was going to be after his rookie season. Yeah. And, and the Niners desperately need him to, I mean, let's be honest, this offense cannot, find long-term success with only Debo Samuel involved as far as a wideout. They need Brandon Ayuk, and with a fully involved Brandon Ayuk, this offense just takes a whole nother level of kind of complex. Uh, Stuart. By the way, I want to say, we were talking earlier um, about, you know, the quarterback controversy to go back to that. And during the bye week, how everybody's fighting and stuff. You know what absolutely did not help during that bye week? is that Seth Wickersham article about how Brady wanted to come to the 49ers with no bidding war, with no nothing. I just got to throw that out there because I think about it and I'm watching Tom Brady and, you know, it's because Tom Brady's on my fantasy team or whatever, but I'm like, damn, dude, Tom Brady on this team would be real nice. Yeah. I mean, all out, if you want me, I'm yours. I won't even take, you know, it's like it just hurts. Yeah. It hurts knowing that. Um, You're still cut Jimmy and sign Brady. It would have been like the same amount of money. Yeah. Uh, Stewart said, it's crazy that even with Kittle out, Kyle refused to call uh, screens or anything to feature Ayuk. Yeah, I really need to see that tomorrow night. Hey, Zach, put Steve on timeout for this. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but this is funny. Steve says, once Jalen Hurd comes back in 2023, they will be okay at wide receiver. Until preseason week three when he goes back on IR again. Yeah, um, I, yeah <laughs> I tweeted out when John Lynch said we need to see more from Ayuk. I'm like, we saw a solid half from Jalen Hurd, and he's been able to stay on the roster so far. We see Ayuk on pace, 4,000 yards as a rookie, and we still need to see more from him. It's like make it make sense because it just doesn't make sense. Um, something's going on that we don't know. But the weird thing is, like, I can't I can't really say that it's not – I know a lot of people are like, hey, how come Ayuk isn't more involved? He has the second most snaps of any wide receiver behind Debo Samuel. So it's not like he's not out there. I think that, like, it's not like the coach can be like, well, you're out there for all these plays, but I'm definitely not going to allow, like, you know what I'm saying? Somebody of, of Brandon Ayuk's physical talent should be able to get himself so open the quarterback's like, oh, duh, there's Brandon Ayuk right there. Well, I don't think I don't Jimmy Garoppolo Kyle for it when, when Brandon Ayuk has 216 snaps compared to, I think it's 253 for Debo. So he has over 200 snaps. And so you can't tell me that he hasn't had ample opportunity to make something happen for himself. If you're relying on the coach to scheme you open, then maybe you aren't as good as we all thought. Because if you're that talented, you should be getting your ass open. You know what I mean? So like that, I don't, I don't buy the everybody blaming Kyle for why isn't Brandon Ayuk involved in the offense? He's out there on the field, so it's up to him to make something happen. And if you're so immensely talented and you you can get open then you the catcher should be coming your way. But like we said, his his average separation is down by almost a full yard over his rookie season. So that tells me that it's something on Brandon Ayuk's end that he really needs to address rather than on Kyle. I'm going to defend Kyle on this one, not on the quarterback stuff, because I think he's handled the quarterback stuff very poorly. But on this specific thing, if he's out on the field, he should be making an impact. There's no excuse not to. 
Like right. the coach puts you out on the field so that you do your job, you know? I'm trying to see if I can pull up how many targets he's had this season because um, I'm, let's see, 2, 8, 11. So 15 targets. 15 targets. On 216 snaps. Yeah. Not all of those, by the way, not all of those are passing downs, just to be fair. Right. Not all of those are passing downs, but still, 15 targets on over 200 snaps. I mean, that indicates to me that there's something on Brandon Ayukson that's not going exactly right. He didn't and have a single target. Rely on Kyle to scheme you open. Like, that's nice that he can yeah. do that, but that's not, you know, his job is to run plays where he does think that he can get an advantage. But at the end of the day, you still have to beat your corner. You still have to get to the soft spot in the zone. You still have to run your routes crisply enough and get there quickly enough that, again, you're so open that the quarterback's like, oh, there's Brandon right there. I'm going to throw it to him because he's open. And so, you know, I mean, I remember last year we were talking about, well, Debo can't separate from anybody. That was the talk last year. And now it's just like, well, Debo catches everything. We'll just throw it to Debo. So there's time. I, I'm not willing to give up on somebody because it's the second year and he's struggling right now. But I'm also not willing to blame Kyle when Brandon has the second most. I mean, if you grant that Debo right now is wide receiver one and Brandon's wide receiver two, Brandon Ayuk's gotten wide receiver two snaps. So I, there, I, I think have, there's something in the play that's kind of like, yeah. you know. I have two points to counter, then we can move on. Um, I would just say I wouldn't put it as much on Kyle as I would on the quarterback. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo throws it to Ayuk. I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. I don't know what it is. He trusts Debo Samuel, I think, a lot more. And if he's not getting the separation that you talked about, Matt, I think he trusts Debo to come down with those tough catches more than he trusts Ayuk. Yeah. Um, literally played side, like two, two or three games together last year, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a good point before he got injured. Um, right. On the flip side – I forget who asked it in the press conference this week, but I think at this time last year, Ayuk had like 15, 16 either throws behind the line of scrimmage or just manufactured touches, and he has zero up until this point this year. So there is a change, and I agree with you, Matt. It's not on Kyle to always do that to get him involved. But I think when nobody else is doing anything, when you have Sanu out there or when you have, uh, I don't know, other other Travis Benjamin out there, I think then – the question is, why not? Why not just do it? I'll to say, get some sort of spark. I'll say this. I'll say this as pushback. We haven't really seen a lot of throws behind the line of scrimmage to begin with, anyway. That's fair. So there hasn't been as much, and so when you're, I think that you have to manufacture touches for playmakers when you're throwing a guy like Nick Mullins behind the line, and you're like, whoa, I can't run a guy 15 yards down the field because I don't know if Nick is going to panic and throw an interception. Right. I don't know if Nick can get it there. So let's let's put it in our playmakers' hands and start getting him out there. So I think part of that is is I will say Kyle's issue with it is probably he's catering to Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set. And I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo and Brandon Ayuk have the chemistry that Nick had. And part of the not getting him the ball in open space right away is because Kyle's not calling a lot of screen passes with Jimmy Garoppolo. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Jimmy doesn't throw a screen pass that great. <laughs> you know? No, that, that's fair. Um, Stewart added, Kyle needs to do some more self-scouting with his play calling. It feels like he's being extremely conservative. Then when he goes for it on fourth down, the plays weren't creative. Yeah, and that was weird. It was like with Jimmy, he was, you know, we criticized him in the Green Bay game for not going for it on fourth and one around midfield where it like, kind of made sense to go for it, right? 
and then with with Trey, he goes for like four fourth downs, and it's just like, what what are you doing? And not even good fourth downs, you know. The only one, so a lot of them were runs, um, whether by design or whatever. And then there was that screwed up use check play. But the one fourth down that they converted was the one that he actually let Trey throw the ball on. So <laughs> just, it's a weird disconnect. And yeah, I th- I don't know. I would they need to come out of this bye week sharp and popping like immediately. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, real quick, shout out to Nick Bosa. Happy birthday, Nick Bosa. Appreciate everything. Obviously, you do. And I my defensive player of the game. week. Yes, as always, as always, as, as always, always until game. it happens. Yeah. Um, let's get back to this game, Matt. It's easy to get so off topic with everything going on in the 49ers world right now. Yeah. Um, it's going to be raining here. There's like a hundred percent chance of rain. I was looking at the rain. Um, it's been on and off, and I'm like maybe 20 minutes from the stadium uh today and and for the last couple of days but tomorrow i see about a 90 percent chance of rain all the way through about 8 9 p.m so it's almost a certainty that it will be raining who do you think that favors the colts or the niners in this case i think it favors the colts because the 49ers in my opinion is they're they're the more talented team They, they have the better talent right now particularly with the injury list that the colts have but again, adverse weather narrows the talent gap to the point where the lesser team is going to be able to keep up because, you know, your playmakers can't get out. You know, maybe Debo isn't able to be as explosive because he needs to gather his footing, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, oops, sorry. Uh, it, it's it's one of those things where rain is cool for fans who are like, oh, man, you know, like. All of us who played high school football, uh, I played high school football. One of my best memories is in like a torrential downpour, right? Where we beat another team like 38 to nothing. Um, I had a sack on a safety blitz, like, you know, fun stuff like that, right? Just dripping wet. You make a tackle on somebody, you slide 20 yards, right? As a high school kid, that's really fun. But in professional football, that really creates situations where your best players aren't able to do the things that they're able to do normally because the weather kind of takes a lot of that away and makes it a sloppy game. So I do feel like that the, the weather is going to favor the lesser team. And I feel like right now, because of the injuries, because of a lot of things going on, I feel that's the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, I, I just think that it's going to force the Niners to have to lean on the running game, which should be a good thing um, because they really, have gotten away from it. And I hope that that does um, obviously DeForest Buckner, Stuart brought him up there um, asking how he would grade. How would we look back on the Buckner trade? And Kyle was asking, answering a lot of questions about it, basically saying he felt it necessary at the time. And he still does based off of how they came out of the trade with uh, Kinlaw and they were able to sign Armstead. And I think he even threw in Jimmy Ward. I think he calls it like a three for one type. Do you agree with that? Or how do you, how do you feel about it? I kind of do because people forget. I mean, Buckner makes significantly more than what Armstead makes. And I know that Buckner's the better player, but I feel like hindsight's twenty twenty. but at the time, I feel like the idea was sound with what they were trying to do. And so, yeah, I mean, it's cool. But it, honestly, it's not even like Buckner's overly productive this year because he hasn't been overly productive this year. So I don't know. To me, I don't like to look at that hindsight stuff. You can You can look at everything through a lens. And be like, oh, that was a terrible choice. But, you know, 
I'm I'm not so concerned in a singular move as in it's just my thing is it's another feather in the cap of this continuing problem of bad decision making. So while the trade in a vacuum might not necessarily work out well now, I think at the time the logic makes sense. And I think that a lot of people might have done the same thing. So I, I really don't want to, you know, rain on that parade. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? When, when you can get the 13th overall pick, you know, it, it's, it's hard to turn down. I, I think that if Kinlaw was healthy and he wasn't missing games due to was it knee arthritis or tendonitis, whatever it is that he's suffering from, People would look at this a lot differently. Um, I think the fact that he's forced to miss games because of it, people are starting to doubt it and kind of look back on it and think, oh, man, the Niners kind of got the short end here. Right. But, I mean, all like you said. It's, it's funny, though, because at the same time, they're like, oh, Kim Law, that was a terrible trade. That was a terrible trade. You know, he can't even play. He's not even in there, blah, blah, blah. But then they're like, oh, man, the Colts are going to be able to run all over us because Kim Law's not there. And it's just like – Okay, we well, can't have it both ways, man. Yeah, and it's, that, you know, again, it's year two for Kinlaw. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, he had a, it wasn't a spectacular rookie year, but it was a decent rookie year, and there was potential to build upon that. This injury is just kind of lingering and whatever. That that happens, you know what I mean? Nick Bosa in his second year went down with the torn ACL, so like you don't just say, oh, Bosa's trash because he, you know, he got bowled over and tore his ACL. Because you never know. What if Kinlaw's knee heals and he comes back in year three and he's just like a run-stuffing beast? You know, you never know. So I'm not willing – again, I'm not willing to write off – I'm not willing to write off Ayuk. I'm not really willing to write off Kinlaw. I'm not willing to write off, you know, some of these other people. Even when Lynch comes out and say Ambry Thomas is kind of a project and we knew that, Trey Lance is a project and we kind of knew that, Trey Lance and Ambry Thomas didn't really play in 2020. Ambry Thomas opted out and North Dakota state decided not to play after the first game. So there's a lot of football to be made up with these young guys. I'm not willing to write them off. Um, but you know, you, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to be hypercritical of these players, then you also can't be like, well, Indy's going to be able to run on us because that player that I'm hypercritical of doesn't play the game. It, it just doesn't work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I so you want to have your cake and eat it too. Either one or the other, you know, um, do you want to get into what Martellus Bennett said, or do you want to just not even talk about that? I don't even know what Martellus Bennett said. What did he say? Okay, so I guess we're going to talk about it. So yeah. he was on the uh, McCourty Twins podcast. Okay. Um, I think it was called uh, Double Cover, Double Coverage, something like that. I forget what exactly it is. Um, and he was talking about when Jimmy Garoppolo was with the Niners. And, guys, this is a family-friendly show, so just be advised. There is some cursing here. Um, and Martellus Bennett said, bro, we lost two games without Brady. Um, one of them was because Jimmy Garoppolo was being a bitch. He decided not to play right before the game. Jacoby came out and played with a fucked-up thumb, played his heart out, but Jimmy was just being a bitch about it all. That's why he you can't win with a bitch for a quarterback, first of all. That was the whole thing with him. He didn't want to come out and do anything because his agent was trying to protect his body or some shit like that, which I can't fault him for that. But, like, you should have made that decision on Thursday, not on Sunday. So, anyways, he's not going out there. Now Jacoby straps up and we lose to the Bills. We shouldn't have lost. It was a last minute trying to make adjustments for what Jacoby could do. Um, yeah. It was very candid. God damn. Yeah. 
So what do you, what do you make of that? Cause it, if, if I'm not making too many leaps here, it seems like we've seen Jimmy possibly shut himself down here with the Niners. And certain I mean, times? I'm, I wouldn't exactly, I wouldn't exactly put that outside the realm of possibility. You know what yeah. I mean? Where, you know, like Jimmy, when when this calf injury happened, he was like, "Man, I hope it's not the Achilles." Oh man, I'm gonna be gone for like a month, <laughs> and then he's out for like a week. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, some listen. Some people, as somebody who works in the medical field, pain tolerance is something that varies from person to person to person to person. I'm not willing to come out and call Jimmy a bitch. Like I don't, I don't think that's very respectful. Everybody has their own level that they're able to cope with or whatever. And maybe Jimmy's just not the guy that's like, Oh no, I'm definitely going to whatever, whatever. But at the same time, we also saw him in 2020, at least try to play with this ridiculous high ankle sprain that he ended up re-injuring or whatever. He played a full half with it after uh, uh, the defensive tackle, dang Quinn and Williams uh, fell on it. There are instances where Jimmy shows remarkable to, particularly when he gets hit yeah. he's taken some nasty hits and gotten back up so i don't know i i think it's situational um i'm not willing to say that he opts out or like that he is you know in it for himself but i can't necessarily just offhand discount what martellus bennett says either it's a really puzzling yeah. situation but dang i just I don't know. The one thing that I will say about the Martellus Bennett thing is that I do agree that if Jimmy knew on Thursday that he didn't think that he was going to go, he should have said something then and not on Sunday. And that's just taking what Martellus said at face value. We don't know for sure that that's what happened. Um, but those are strong words, man. That's very serious, a very serious damnation from, from Martellus Bennett. It's very serious. And I, I think that you don't see players that candid, when they know they're kind of on air or when they're being recorded. I think that was a little bit of a peek behind the scenes. And I think what was most telling to me though, Matt, is that the McCourty twins laughed. They didn't say, no, that's not true. They didn't say, ah, I don't know that they were kind of hiding their face, giggling. Maybe that's yeah, kind of the word something there. like, Oh shit. He said it. Yeah. Cause I wasn't going to admit he said it, you know, like that's how I took it. Yeah. But at the same time, there were reports that Martellus Bennett, Bennett quit on his teammates in Green Bay. So make of that what you will. I don't think that has any right. impact on what. Well, here's the other thing is. too. One other thing that we look past, and you know, I keep bringing him up, but when you have a guy like Tom Brady, who only misses game, like he only missed that one season because you know he tore his ACL, yeah. right? But Brady, who's been around for 20 years and goes, you know, whatever, whatever they were saying, oh, he's going to miss time because, or like, you know, he could be limited against last week against the Eagles because of his thumb. And then he just goes out there and balls out, you know, like it's, it's seven times Super Bowl champion or whatever. And then you compare that to Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that, that's a hard, that's a hard set of shoes to fill. And I'm sure that tensions were high because that was the deflate gate season where Brady got suspended and the team was already pissed off and had a case of the red ass. So anything that you do is going to be magnified if it isn't for specifically for the betterment of the team. And maybe Garoppolo did make a little bit of a personal business decision, but I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. I, I just, 
I could go both ways. Maybe he makes business decisions in some ways, but in other ways, I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo is absolutely a tough guy. And so I'm not going to sit here and question. Just knowing what I know about different people and their pain tolerances and, and what they're willing or able to cope with in terms of injuries and pain and stuff like that. I, I can't do the same thing that Martellus Bennett is doing. You know what I mean? Right. No, definitely. And, and I think it might be a, a, a question maybe because you're saying, look, we've seen him tough toughen it out we've seen him take the licks and get right back up maybe it's a, a question of if it's heart into it into it or not is it effort is it you know because you a guy can be 100 percent into it depending on the circumstances and then also be zero percent into it depending on different circumstances so maybe he wasn't right. willing to go all out in new england where he was willing to go all out here in, in with the niners so and you know that could be i mean as i think that's a very uh prescient point just because I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, who knows if he was just like, well, I'm a backup for Tom Brady, so I'm just going to be here. And so maybe I don't have to work that hard. And now with the 49ers, he's like, well, now I'm playing for not only my job here, but, you know, potentially if they're going to move on from me, I got to play for my job somewhere else. And so it's a different motivating circumstance, too. You know, everybody says the best job in the NFL is the backup quarterback when you're holding the clipboard. Jimmy Garoppolo has gone from backup quarterback to the greatest quarterback to ever do it to damn, I need to be out there and playing because I need to put stuff on tape. That's going to allow another team to come and pay me when this team eventually gets rid of me. So it is different circumstances and maybe that's a different motivating factor, like you said. So I I think that's a very good point that you bring up. Um, This I thought was funny too. So Sewer brought up um, what makes me think, about Jimmy's high ankle sprain last year when Kyle thought he could go. Jimmy said he couldn't. And then Hung Fat added uh, calf strain versus, uh, I think, bruise is what Kyle Shanahan called. So this season, did you notice that when Kyle Shanahan was asked about it, he kept calling it a bruise, a calf like bruise. A, a contusion, and, I think. A, a contusion. Calf That's Yeah, and then when Jimmy would talk about it, he would use a strain, kind of make it seem a little more serious. Maybe, maybe that's yeah. just to me. But there is that sort of weird disconnect with the seriousness of his injuries. And yeah, it is a little weird, right? Like, you're yeah. just like, hey, what, which one is which? I think that, yeah, I think, I don't know. It, it's such a, and this is one of those weird, again, this weird situation where this team is not fun to watch, but at least it's interesting to watch because there's a lot of train wrecks going on behind the scenes and there's a disconnect. And I think there's a disconnect all around. Again, the Kinlaw stuff where he's on social media spouting off. You got the stuff with Brandon Ayuk who's like, man, you know, I know that being a pro is hard and I got to do all this stuff and he's not producing and people are like, why aren't you producing? And then you have Debo coming out and defending him. You have George Kittle caught between two quarterbacks. You have John Lynch caught between two quarterbacks. You got, it just seems like there's so much going on. You this would have been the year that the 49ers should have been on hard knocks, man, because it would have been really interesting to see behind the scenes. But Could you imagine I there's so much going on with this team. And again, it's not fun to watch, but it damn sure is interesting. That's for it sure. Is, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, you got John Lynch kind of stressing out on, on, on camera, answering questions, giving away all these crazy body language signs. Um, yeah. This is a good point. Stuart says, uh, do you think Bosa doing his rehab away from the team is a red flag? This is a bit of a reach, but you have the expertise here. Um, I don't necessarily think so because I don't think that the team doctor did the surgery and I think it's just being comfortable with your own team, you know, working with guys, especially early in rehab that you're not going to be working with the team early in rehab. You're going to be working with your own people, um, particularly surrounding the medical group that you did your surgery with, whoever the surgeon was. 
and you just become really comfortable with those people. They know your limits. They know how much they can push you. You know how much that you can get away with in terms of if you want to push yourself and they're saying to take it easy and you build a really strong rapport. And I think that's something that's really difficult to, to give up. So I think that Bosa was really just trying to feel out where he was comfortable with coming to the end of his rehab. So I don't necessarily think that that's a red flag. Um, I think it's more of a comfortability with the people that you've been working with for the past eight, nine months on, on your injury. Yeah. Yeah. And also he trains with his brother outside of, mm-hmm. you know, California. And if, if I remember correctly, he had torn an ACL in college, right? High school. Already, high school. So he already had the rehab that like you said and, I think maybe it was on the was other just, knee, though. Right. I, I was just saying maybe he... Honestly, a lot of medical journals show that if you have one ACL tear, you're actually more inclined to tear the other. Wow. It's just a bio, It's a biomechanical thing um, that it's just instances of ACL tears could actually end up meaning that you're, you're more uh, preconditioned to have an ACL tear. If you, if you tear one, you're more preconditioned to tear the other. Um, just because an ACL tear is not a super common injury... So football's different, and I think that I don't know the circumstances of, of Bosa's high school ACL tear, but this one was directly trauma related because of the way his leg was pinned. It wasn't like a uh, you know we hear the running on air type of non-contact ACL injury. This one was actually a forceful trauma, so it could be different. So I don't want to speak to that, but you know, there's definitely there definitely could be something there. And if you guys are, are interested in the whole 49ers injury situation, I sat down with Dr. Narav Pandya. He is the uh, director of sports med and uh, at UCSF and at uh, Benoff Children's Hospital. Really, really insightful guy. He's on uh, the game, the radio station here in the Bay Area, as a guest co-host for the medical expertise. Um, so go check that out on our YouTube channel. Dr. Narav Pandya shared a lot of great insight. George Kittle's injury, Raheem Mostert injury. Go check that out right now. Um, all right, getting back to this game, we there's so much going on. We get we get sidetracked, but yeah, we're going to start doing this new thing starting this week, guys. Where we're going to have our my bookie props of the week. Um, yep. So this week we're going to bring up a prop that we each like, and we're going to get into it now. So Matt, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? No, I could I could actually go first. Okay. Um, mine is a uh, defense or special teams touchdown, and it's a yes or no. Um, yep, there it is. And so it's plus 215 for a yes, which is what I want to lean towards because I think that defensive and special teams touchdowns are super fun. And this is for both teams. So this is one that you can place like, oh, yeah, I think there's going to be some type of, you know, a pick six or something like that. And this one's a fun one that you can just, you know, throw some money down on that that I like to do. That's not as, you know, it's not as technical as like, oh, will the first touchdown be a pass or a run or like whatever, right? This one's a simple one. It applies to both teams. It's a yes or no one. And it's just a fun one that you can kind of, you know, put your money down on if you if you want to go through my bookie. Okay. I like that one. Um, for me, I think I'm going to go with um, highest scoring quarter. And this one's tough, but I really do think I like the third quarter at, at plus 425. I think after halftime, teams make their adjustments, and the Niners have kind of started out slow. If I, I don't know, it's, it's tough to say with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo kind of being in there differently, but I like this one. I would go with the third quarter here, um, which behind the first quarter is the biggest uh, kind of odds, aside from a tie, which I don't see a tie happening. So, right, I'm gonna go with third quarter here. 
Um, which guys, if you haven't already, head over to mybookie.ag, click the link in the, the bio, enter code Hive. If you're a new customer, you will get your first deposit matched all the way up to a thousand dollars. And right now you'll get a twenty dollar casino chip for you to bet. Um, it's really cool. I actually on Thursday night I won um $65, I believe, with betting on Melvin Gordon scoring a touchdown at all. And that was a fun prop bet. That's a that good, was a prop good one right there. Yeah, that was a good one. And, and what's cool about it is I got I used the free money. It was none of my money. I used the money that I got because they matched my first deposit. So you guys can get that, get that free money, go take advantage right now. Mybookie.ag, promo code hive. Um, thank you, my bookie, for supporting us. Go support them, guys. Uh, next, we might as well do our sponsorship right now, Matt. Yes, sir. So let's go on to 81 Vino. Terrell Owens has his own wine. Check out 81vino.com. Enter code Hive. We'll get you 10% off and free shipping on two or more bottles. Thank you very much, Terrell Owens and everybody at 81 Vino. Um, next, we got Acre Gold. Acre Gold. You can get gold for as little as $50 a month. You no longer have to fork out hundreds of dollars a month or at a time to buy gold. You could just like a subscription to Netflix, put away 50-50, and once you reach the price of a gold bar from Acre Gold, Matt calls it a gold stamp, they will send you it discreetly in the mail. I have my next one coming up soon. Um, Absolutely. And, and you don't have to pay as little as 50. It starts at 50, but you can pay as much as you want. Um and as soon as you reach the market price, two and a half grams, which is the size of a gold bar, Acre Gold will send you your gold. So shout out. Click the link in the description and start buying your gold today. Um, next, guys, we got merch. We just unveiled our Debo Samuel merch. Go check that out. He's riding on his bike like he did on uh, a few weeks ago heading into Levi's. Really cool merch. Code RGS15, RGS15, 50% off your entire purchase. Um, shop49ershive.com where you can find all of our merch. This Trey Lance print behind me on draft night, that's up on our Teespring store. Shop49ershive.com, code RGS15. And lastly, it's always a mouthful, shout out to Play Pickup. Go to playpickup.com. They have so many cool props, and they're kind of revolutionizing the way people do betting. Um, you get to pick props, and depending on where you are, underdog or not, you earn more points, and based off of a certain amount of points you have, you could buy things from their marketplace. They have a lot of cool things, all sports-related. Go check out Play Pickup. We appreciate all you guys supporting us. Support them because they support us, guys. All right, Matt, let's get into our offensive and defensive player of the game predictions and yep. final score. All right. Uh, offensive player of the game, I'm going to go with – I'm, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say it's going to be Trey Sermon. I think that in the adverse weather, you give the ball to your north and south guy. Trey Sermon, I think, is going to have 14, 15 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. Okay. I like it. Um, is yes and no lost like the suit, Zach? For the record, I, w- I was in a suit on, on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? We did, I think it was Wednesday we did a show or Tuesday we did a show. I was in a suit then. Um it's just during the week, I'm more likely to be in it because I get home from work and I set up right away. On the weekends, I'm running around and I just don't throw one on. But yes and no isn't lost. We'll bring it back soon. No, we just, we'll bring it back. There's so much going on that we have to fit it all into about an hour or else Stefan gets mad at us editing-wise. It's a little too long. <laughs> um, Leonardo says, I watch a lot of podcasts. It's my favorite. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate the kind words. Um, 
Also, before, before I say my offensive prediction, I, I tweeted it out. We're giving away a white Debo Samuel autographed jersey just because I don't really have room, honestly, and I figured we could do something cool since things have been so negative here. And all you got to do yeah. is subscribe. Um, you guys are watching here. Hit the subscribe button and tweet at us or just let us know you're subscribed somehow. And we're going to pick a random subscriber tomorrow night after the show in our live stream to win it. So good luck. Uh, Victory Monday suits. More as I was hinting after that tweet. Oh, I do miss my Victory Monday suits. Yeah, that sucks, man. I love my gray and gold and uh, red suits that I would have set out. Hopefully soon. Monday, we could bring them back. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Okay. Offensive player of the game for me. You know, I, he's fresh off of IR. You went with another running back. I'm going to go with Jermichael Hasty. I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to go with what he's familiar with. Um, and although Elijah Mitchell has looked really good, Trey Sermon has looked good, Shanahan has still gotten away from it. I don't think he's going to have the option tomorrow night because of the weather. And I think Hasty is going to be kind of the – he's going to benefit from that. So I'm going to say Hasty, and he's going to have 110 yards and a touchdown. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who's your defensive player of the of the week? Defensive player of the week. I'm going to go with Emmanuel Mosley. And he's played well since he's returned. Um, the Colts are completely injured at the receiving core. Um, their receivers are really, really inexperienced and young. I think Mosley has a hell of a game, especially in bad weather. I'm counting on this 49ers defensive front to get – uh, Carson Wentz pressured into some kind of errant throws, and I'm I'm predicting Mosley's going to take advantage of one and take it to the house. Oh, there we go, and that would get yeah. me my prop bet right there. There you go. <laughs> you know, you know me. Until I, I know happen, yours, it's happen. Nick Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble, baby. All right, I love it. Stewart added uh, offense player of the game Elijah Mitchell, defense player of the game Nick Bosa. Prediction: 27-24 49ers. Yeah, it's about that time. We're going to give our game predict- game score predictions. Go ahead and post them in the chat. Comment on the video on YouTube so that we can come back to it. If you get the score right, we're giving away a 49ers jersey. So with that being said, I think that the 49ers are going to win. I think it's going to be a tight one. Uh, 24-20, 49ers. Wow, okay. All right. Um, I, I, it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think, because of the weather. I'm going to say 21-17. Niners and I just want to add Stewart has not gone completely over to the dark side yet he's still predicting the Niners to win if they do not win though I'm very very concerned about him (laughs) yeah we might have to stage an intervention in our group chat pull Stewart back from the ledge (laughs) yeah all right guys like Matt said comment your final score predictions if you're if they are correct, let us know and we'll shoot you some free merch. Um, this was a great show. There's so much going on. We'll be back tomorrow after the game, hopefully, yeah. to recap a win. Hopefully it is a win. You know, it's been a long it was a long bye week, and I'm just glad we can get back to 49ers football. We get to see those gorgeous red nineteen ninety-four uniforms tomorrow. Let me get them a little sullied up and dirty, but hopefully we can punch the Colts in the mouth. So Zach, why don't you take us home? That's right, guys. Hit like, hit subscribe. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Like I said, we'll be live tomorrow after the game. Hope you guys can join us then. Have a great Saturday evening, everyone. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us as always. We love having you here. And until next time, go Niners.